We talk the talk, we talk the talk From the shots that's called to the tomahawks To the league boss and the ones who lost Give it to me once, I don't drop the ball To the home runs that was out the park Kershaw when I'm pitching off Kobe the Howard, he looking soft LA Rams in the city, y'all You like that, you like that, you like that Kirk Cousins back, long bomb to D-Jacks Got special guests, got breaking news Got what's new if you need that Watch me speak like Ali R.I.P. Not a person on earth that can't stop me Game 7, get a ball to Kyrie Three Get ready for this, guys. Get ready for this. We about to switch it up. It is 8.30 on a Monday night. 8.37, baby. 8.30 on a Monday night. And it is time for Talk That Talk. I am so sorry, guys. I am so sorry. I apologize. We did not do the show yesterday. And it was my fault. (laughs) I have no excuse why the show was not done outside of the fact of I didn't do it. Well, they wouldn't let us in. Well, that's one argument. That's definitely one way to look at it. We, um, first of all, thank I you. I mean, I'm up to record in the parking lot, but, uh, you know. <laughs> the way that they uh, feel about their equipment, I don't think they're going to like us yeah, doing it out there. Yeah, the way my bank account set up. UNLV, should, they should pay us for going here. Yes. 100% they should pay us for going here. No, it's 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 absurd. <laughs> Not you know what I like now that I've graduated? What? I can just talk stuff about them while I record from their broadcasting center. I did it while I was a student here. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. And I talked uh, uh, talk some stuff about uh, what's that terrible newspaper we have here? The RJ? Oh my god, bro. Um, Shout out to Sam Gordon from the RJ. Shout yeah, out to Rick Bellotta from the cool. RJ. Sam and Rick are cool, but man, what a terrible... I don't outfit. know if Steve Sibelius is still there at the RJ. Shout out to Steve. Shout out to Bill Bradley from the RJ. Um, you know what's funny about the RJ? And I told this story, but we're going to get it out. Now that you didn't brought it up once, we'll we'll go ahead and address this. Mr. Jokes. <laughs> oh, Victor Jokes. We're not doing that. Mr. Jokes. Um, But no, we're actually going to... I want to call him Jocks for different reasons. But, um... <laughs> but the RJ, I did my, my aviator internship with the RJ, of course, last summer. It was the last summer, maybe two summers ago. All, my years are all bunched up at this point. Uh, but I went ahead and did my, my RJ internship there. I did it for the, um, for the aviators, covered them their inaugural season, and then they didn't have a season last year. So wow. um, I found it interesting that the internship clearly went well enough that they offered me an extended internship, not three months, but a six-month one, but refused to speak to me about being brought on as a writer. And my whole thing about that was, what if I was completely inexperienced and I walked in and said, give me $10,000 for the year? You guys wouldn't have even known because you guys would refuse to have the conversation with me. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. that, that aided in the birth of Talk That Talk Media, so we're here, baby. Yeah, and they're clowns anyway. Shout out to the <laughs> shout out to the aviators who definitely were the first team in the valley to give us our um, credentials to give us to add us to the email list. We are officially should be named the fifty ones, but I digress. <laughs> I didn't. You know what's funny? I don't want to seem like I'm crazy. We did, this is not on the on the on the on the docket at all. So we're gonna get off of this. But I did not have a problem with the aviator name. We don't have a problem with it, but fifty ones was so cool. I even have like a fifty ones hat. Fifty one bobbleheads was a was. They went undefeated. <laughs> it's such a perfect Las Vegas, like... 51s. Playing hey, downtown man. in that... Pl- or, I don't know. They still don't play there, right? No, nah, they moved it. Down in Summerlin. 
Yeah, no comment. Let, let's get uh, <laughs> let's get to some football. Yeah, we got a lot of football in this episode, so I want you guys to please stay tuned with us. Again, we were supposed to shoot this. Uh, we were supposed to record this show yesterday. So if we were going to record it yesterday, of course. Um, Celine, can you put on your headphones for a second? Just see if I'm staticky. Um, we were supposed to record this yesterday, and in recording this yesterday, we were actually going to be talking about uh, Super Wildcard Weekend, and that was going to be kind of the goal. And that was going to be kind of the goal was to walk our audience through that. So since it is a Monday, we'll be walking you guys through a different game, and we'll be walking you through uh, this national championship game. This is what our fifth college football playoff. Fifth or sixth, one of them. Can't be too far. I think Deshaun Watson played in the last BCS national championship. Yeah, that game. was the last BCS one. Um, so we we got about five minutes left in this game, and I'll be honest with you, man. I ended up I walked into the studio on the phone. So I've been on the phone for a little bit. So I uh shout out to Duna, Deontay Hagler, who actually has this national championship game. So he is at home right now, twiddling his fingers, making sure that that story is gonna be up for you guys on the website. Once again, it, that website is talkthattalkradio.com. Once again, it is talkthattalkradio.com. That is where we will have all of our exclusives, all of our stories, all of our coverage. Uh, UNLV Sports, Aviators, Raiders, NBA Weekly. Uh, what else do we do? Features, reviews. Uh, we want to start doing music. When Vegas opens up, we'll go back to doing nightlife. Just all types of stuff. So please go ahead and check that out. Duna has a story on his hands, man. Let me tell you something right now. Please tell me. Miami Dolphins have the third pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. If Devontae Smith is available and mm-hmm. he doesn't go to Miami, I'm going to jump off a building. <laughs> okay. I swear to God, if they take – I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I don't think they'd be dumb enough to do that. Oh, I hope not. I Chris, really hope not. Chris Greyer and Flores are smart people. I don't think they'd be dumb enough to, like, say, yeah, I know you came off – you're coming off, like, an almost career-ending injury mm-hmm. with no OTAs. No mini camp, mm-hmm. and you only played nine games, and you had a good, you know, relatively good game, but <laughs> good season. But you know, we're gonna give up on you because Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's good. Don't get me wrong. Is he better than Tua? No. <laughs> and he said he, that he said that with no hesitation. Not only that, okay. People act like you know this is the last wait, drop wait, where wait. you can ever take a quarterback. Don't talk about NFL right now. We'll get to that. We'll talk. We'll okay. get to that. We'll get to My we'll point get to is that, that Devontae Smith needs to be a Miami Dolphin. He's at Hard Rock Stadium right now. I just want to point. That is very true. He shouldn't leave. I want, he just, he, the Dolphins should <laughs> just set him up in a nice hotel. Just let him stay there for the night. I mean, not for the night, for, until. Just how long are you going to house him? It doesn't They got money. Because I want to say the draft. Ross, the draft is, what, three months away? Steven Ross is absurdly Loaded. rich. He can put him up in a penthouse. <laughs> He won't allow other teams to even talk to Devontae Smith. After this game, I don't think other teams are going to want to talk to him. As of right now, as I just told you guys, we're a little under five minutes to go, but it is 52-24. to 24. The tide is rolling right now. I want to go ahead and point out Mac Jones, who was 36 for 45, 464 yards with five touchdowns. I've said it all year long. Um, Mac has looked great all year long. However, you look at his receiving group, and I know people didn't make the arguments for Tua, as at least in the moment, as much. But I think we saw certain plays from Tua that, and no disrespect to Jake Fromm, but I think you look at that Georgia, those Georgia football teams, and you look at the athletes they had on offense, great. You didn't have the same Tua feel that you, or you didn't have the same Jake Fromm feel 
Um, yeah, no, two is extremely that you, Oh, no, accurate. I said the back. No, two of field that you have for Jake Fromm. And they're surrounded by the same level of athletes, caliber athletes, you would assume. Yeah, no, I mean, Tua is very accurate. He has a pretty big arm, I would say, from watching. I think so. Uh, really good arm talent. And, yeah, Jake Fromm, no disrespect, but he just doesn't, you know. He's a va- he's accurate, don't get me wrong, and I think he'll be a good number two in the league for mm-hmm. a while, but he doesn't have great arm talent. Uh, so when you look at somebody like Mac Jones, who um, – I think Mac Jones has played himself into the first round. I have two. What does his career look like, though? You know what? I, I really don't know. I think he could end up being a really good player, though. I think – yeah, like even with the wide receivers, he's not – Mac Jones isn't perfect, but I think right. he's at least a – you know who I wouldn't be surprised to take a shot on him late in the first round? The Colts. Really? They did it with Jacob Eason. They did it with Chad Kelly a couple years ago. I think that would be a good fit. That's interesting. You know a name I wanted to give you? I wanted to give you Tennessee. Only reason why is because not that Ryan Tannehill was playing bad by no means – but I've always been told if it's one position that if you can upgrade it, you upgrade it. And that's quarterback. Um, Ryan Tannehill has always struck me as a player who – I'm trying to figure out – like I'm trying not to be disrespectful. He seems like – and I don't want to say like Tim, Dun- Tim Duncan-esque in, the ter- in terms of – uh, excuse me, in terms of uh, legacy and things that they've done on the field. But he seems like Brian Tannehill will look up one day and he'll retire. So what I'm saying is when you look at that Tennessee team and you see them go out and make a move to go get Desmond King and you already know that they have a Malcolm Butler and then they, um, they bring in Jadavian Clowney, you look at Mike Vrabel and what they were able to do and you look at the fact that they sewn up Derrick Henry. Is the quarterback the only uh, – an upgrading quarterback? Now, again, not that Ryan Tannehill is bad. No, he's a very good player. I mean, But maybe lighting season. another fire under him by bringing in some more competition, what does that do? You know him better than anybody. I mean, you're a Dolphin. Um, Ryan was great this year, like numbers-wise. I mean, the Ravens game, I don't feel like – it's a one-game thing. Derrick Henry played bad, but that doesn't mean he's, you know. Right. It was just an off game for them. I could see them taking Mac Jones. Uh, I think Mac Jones is not a guy that, like, is going to come in right away and be ready to start 16 games. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion, I think it'll take him some time. <coughs> I really wish. I, I know we're not going to talk about the NFL. but No, we're going to talk about the NFL, just not at the second. Um, As far as Mac Jones, I, I do think. You know who I wouldn't be shocked in the middle of the first round if the Patriots don't take him. Hmm. And you have to see, like, Trey Lance, we know. He has all the talent in the world. The only question with Trey Lance is, one, he's only played in the FCS. Two, mm-hmm. he's played seven – he's started 17 career games. Absolutely. It's That's where I was going to go to. I was going to go to length of career and every, uh, competition. Every single coach – from what I've read, has said that Trey Lance is the hardest worker they've ever seen. And he's talented. That means a lot. So I wouldn't be shocked if he goes top 10, if a team like uh, Carolina or Washington, not Washington because they, what am I saying? 
Some team, I think, will take a chance on him in the top 15. I mean, well, hell, you look at Washington, and I mean, maybe? No. I mean, like, in terms of draft position, like, I don't – like, Washington made the playoffs. not going to be in the top 10. Oh, no, okay. I thought you were talking about Washington taking him in, no, in, yeah, no, in the first round. <clears throat> it's it's stacking up interesting right now just because of the fact, you know, Zach, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are right, in my opinion, are neck and neck with each other. Really? That's not because I don't think Fields is great. Mm? I think he's a really good prospect, but I think Zach Wilson's also uh, – look, for me, it's Trevor. Mm-hmm. Selena's slowly moving his hand down, guys. And they're not bad. They're That's a pretty large distance. So if you, so if you're, oh, of course you guys can't see this right now. We're not on um, IG live, but Salim just pretty much did about a 12 inch drop from his first hand, which would be Trevor Lawrence, to the next best quarterback, regardless of who you said next. It was exaggerated. But are we sure that it's exaggerated? Because I was, I was really high on Justin Fields. And then this season, granted, COVID has been ridiculous. And uh, I am willing to make the argument that Ohio State, Boise State, Coastal Carolina and BYU made it work. But maybe Ohio State or Boise State got hit by COVID the hardest. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know how, what to take away from this season. Because I watched Justin Fields play a full season last year and wanted him to come out. So... There's actually I saw some talk. I saw some talk on Twitter. I doubt it happens. I'm 99% sure it won't happen. Saying Justin Fields like come back. Come back for another year. I hope he doesn't. I don't No. <sighs> that's too much risk. Just yeah. go get your money right now. However, I do think Justin Fields or Zach Wilson that's the crazy. You look at the teams. I don't think Miami's drafting a quarterback. The, Je- I don't the, think so. the Jets at number two. I mean, we know the Jaguars are taking Lawrence. In my opinion, the Jets should grab one of the two. Unless you can get a guy like Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford in a trade. I don't think. Are Dar- you done on Darnold? I think I, I I told you before. As much as I want to talk about Adam, get you know, let's just let let's slowly let's slowly get into it. La- Sam Darnold's the last NFL topic until we get back to it, but. I truthfully, as much as I want to say that Sam Darnold has not looked the way that we anticipated him looking, he did have Adam Gase as a coach. Yes, he did. He did. He looked all right before him. Yeah. But he looked bad with him. He looked horrible. But Adam Gase can ruin a lot of players. He can ruin really good players. Absolutely. Being a Dolphins fan, I'm sure you've seen it. Yes. (laughs) So Uh, let's talk about this game really quick. Uh, Najee Harris added 77 yards. Excuse me. I hear this. There we go. Added 79 yards. Uh, on the ground on 22 carries. He also had uh, two rushes that found the end zone. This number that I want to talk about on this, uh, and let me actually also mention that Brian Robinson also had 69 yards on 10 carries, although he did not score. The number that I want to give you is 215. Devontae Smith, baby. Heisman. And that's the amount of yards that Devontae Smith accounted for in this national championship game on 12 receptions. He also accounts for three of Mac Jones' five no, touchdowns. It's crazy because I was told by Twitter experts that he wasn't fast. I don't know who told you that. Not who told me. That you could. They were just saying it. This is like the two knocks on Devontae Smith, who is the best wide receiving prospect in a long time. A really long time. He, res- uh, he resembles um, a certain Colts wide receiver from back in the day, number 88. I'm not going to say his name. 
You don't want to, or will you want me to? I, I will most definitely say. He who shall not be named. Okay. If you know, you know. Okay. Shout out to Philadelphia. Do you realize that that Colts team? I know we talk about it a lot, but Edger and James, eighty-eight, <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Peyton, hey, Dallas, Dallas Clark, Clark, Jeff Saturday, Dwight Freeney on the other line. Dwight. Come on, bro, knock it off. We're not doing this today. Um, but Alabama just won Bob Sanders. <laughs> My God, he was a dog. Okay, didn't I just say no more NFL talk? Seriously, we got to get back to this. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> there's so much NFL on this slate, guys. We're going to get into NFL talk, and once we do, we're going to probably stay there. So we want to make sure that we give you guys a little bit of college football talk. I think this game, there's plenty of storylines that we're going to talk about coming out of this game. Um, before I even get to Nick Saban, let's talk about Devontae Smith. You just said he was – the Heisman Trophy winner. You just mentioned it. First wide receiver to win uh, the Heisman Trophy since Desmond Howard. He's also the third player under Nick Saban to win the Heisman. And do you know that he is one – or excuse me. But he's one of three people. I'll just say that. He's one of three people. But do you know that those three people that he's a part of are on a list of non-quarterbacks in the last 15 years to win the Heisman? Can you name those other two people? We we, we got we got a couple of different last alternative stats. Last fifteen years. Last uh fifteen years. So since two thousand six. There's three players since two thousand six. Then this year will be two thousand twenty one Heisman, right? So so it might be two thousand seven. Does Reggie Bush count? Reggie Bush was all five. No. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Mark Ingram, right? Mark Ingram is one. And then there's another one. It is. That's a good one. Would it also help if I told you that he also plays the same position as Mark? I figured because I hadn't been a wide receiver and since since Desmond. Of, well, yeah. clearly. And would I it help if I told def- you? For, yeah. Would it help if I told you that he also wears the same colors? Oh wait, Derrick Henry. That other name is Derrick Henry, which means the last three Heisman winners that were not quarterbacks. Alabama. All came from Alabama. He puts $20 in that damn Camaro every week. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I didn't say this the last time. Last time you brought that up about college players, I will tell you guys this all the time. If you know this show, you know know exactly what I'm about to say. Any reporter that tells you that they tell you everything is a liar. They're flat out a lie. They're flat out lying. They they shouldn't tell you everything. (laughs) Absolutely not. It's just not the way it works. If we want to keep getting the news... That's not. We can't just tell you yeah. everything that we know. However, this is the one thing that I've come out and I've always said. I don't. Some things are just not worth the breaking news tag that comes with it and getting credited with that. I don't see myself, and I, I'll, I'll never say never, but I don't see myself breaking a news story that a college student is getting paid. And whenever somebody asks me why, I hope they do get paid. I say because when I went to UNLV, you paid me to cover them. That's why I will never tell if a college student is getting paid, because you pay me to talk about them. Everybody else makes money off of them, including myself. They can't even sell their autographs. They can't even go out to dinner. Trust me when I tell you, you won't be hearing it on my end. Um, But 
all of these running backs and wide receivers that we just named, Dwight, uh, excuse me, Dwight, I almost said Dwight Franey again, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, Devontae Smith, all were six down in Tuscaloosa. Are we looking at the best college football coach of all time? Yes. Not close? No, I don't think it's close. Who is second? Do we even care who's second? I don't really care, to be honest. I'm not going to try to uh, – I don't know. I, I really – if there is a number – Can you think of a distant second? Does it? Does another college football coach come to mind? I mean, there's not – I don't know about Secta. I used to coach a very interesting Gators team with some characters. Some characters, nonetheless. <laughs> Only the Florida men would bring that up. Only the Florida men would bring Tim that up. Tim Tebow, the Pouncy Twins, hmm. Aaron Hernandez, number 81. Cam. Rest in peace. Cam Newton. You know? Percy Harvin. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Tim Tebow throwing the ball to Percy Harvin, it just... I seeing would, them interact in the locker room afterwards would have been... No hilarious. pun intended. I would kill to see all those guys together. That was a horrible pun. <laughs> the worst. Only a Florida man pun would think that that was cool. I don't get it. Just in case somebody didn't. <laughs> Devontae Smith, over the course of the season, reeled in 105 receptions, uh, over 1,600 yards, 20 touchdowns. He had 34 touchdowns over the last two seasons. And that's what, in 11 games? 12? No, 11. Absurd. And that's is that not uh, including tonight? That was not including tonight. <laughs> hey, man. All I'm going to say is this. The resemblance to number 88 is uncanny. Like, if you go watch old highlights of number 88, like, you'll see, this. besides the body types being skinny, like, Six foot, six one, being skinny, but and just in case somebody is driving themselves crazy at the house, guys, we're talking about Marvin Harrison. Like, please cut this show off if you didn't know who we were talking about. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I, you mentioned really quick before we get off of this, uh, Devonte Smith. You mentioned his speed. Um, you think he's the fast? You think he's the? Uh, he's fast. He gets knocked fast. This wide receiver on he in gets group. knocked for his speed, which is crazy to me. I mean, he's shown he can run past any. DB in the country, or pretty much all of them. No, yeah, I'm I, college absolutely. And oh, he's only 175 pounds. True. So what? <laughs> you can't. It's. I mean, you like, can't hit what you can't catch, and that just go. Lamar Jackson is proof of that. Uh, Tyreek Hill is proof of that. Uh, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, obviously 100%. different. Play. Deshaun Jackson came in the league at 160. He's never really. I mean. Recently, he's had injuries, but you look right. at the first half of his career, I mean, he never really had any huge, like, oh, out for the season because he got hit and he can't hold up. I don't know, man. I don't think and I've it, seen Deshaun get up from some hits that I've been yeah. like, eh, I don't know if he should have been immediately hopped up after that one. Me, personally, I think Waddle might be the fastest one in that wide receiver group. But Oh, yeah, Waddle's the fastest. Well, um, but in terms of... I think Devontae's the best wide receiver in the draft. I think Jamar Chase is a close second. I all of all of LSU's wide receivers from that team last year, I think. We might actually it's crazy. We might see Devontae reunited with Tua and we might see Jamar Chase with Burrow and Cincy if they have the fifth pick. If that'd be that'd be cool. If AJ Green eventually wants out of Cincinnati, which I'm sure that, that will not take very long, 
Um, Joe Burrow will have T. Higgins on one side and potentially Jamar, Jamar Chase. Chase on the other. With Tyler Boyd in the slot. That's not a bad it's not a bad top three. You don't say. Um so oh, actually let's go ahead and finish this about Devontae Smith really quick. This season he had two games over two hundred yards and had eight games of at least hundred and thirty yards receiving. Special. Uh, going over the rest of this, and just to kind of put into perspective what this game was at halftime, this game was 35-17 to 17 at halftime. And I just told you guys the final score was 52-24. to 24, So Alabama absolutely blitzed through Ohio State, kept them from scoring in the fourth and final frame. Justin Fields ends the game in potentially his college career. 17 of 33, 194 yards with one touchdown. It is also important to mention that he finished as the game's – or his, his – excuse me, as his team's – Leading rusher with 67 yards on six carries. Let's talk about those yards per carry. Uh, Trey Sermon left the game after uh, one carry and only two yards. He went to the hospital. Um, yeah, well, soon. I, I don't want to speculate. I didn't see the game, so I can't. Okay. I seen, what did I say, the first I was 20 minutes Uber. of game time. I was doing Uber, but I'm going to rewatch the game. Of course. Uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. And make sure that when you guys are doing it, you're reading, doing a story on TalkThatTalkRadio.com. Um, I, I just saw the Devontae Smith highlights on Twitter, like mm-hmm. little clips. Devontae Smith is Devontae Smith. I don't know what people want to say. I don't really even need to see more at this point. Like, Didn't Devontae Smith catch that uh, game-winning touchdown from Tua? Yes, he did. I thought he did. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, Trey Three Sermon, years. I don't want to anticipate – or speculate, rather, speculate what the injury is. But my brother has broke his collarbone before. And it literally looked as if my brother – you ever mounted a TV wrong? Yeah. And you, just, and you literally comparison. are watching your television lean and you're like, okay? Like, you know instantly. Like, you don't have to do too much thinking. You see it and it's like, oh, I know exactly what, what what's wrong. So I did see him kind of leaning that way, and that forced me to wonder if it was a collarbone injury. Um, it was clavicle. Or? Yeah, that's that's where I'm thinking. I'm thinking it has to be a broken clavicle. Or I, I, I can't even imagine that sort of pain because I've had just shooting pains in my clavicle before. I, I don't know, And man. it's debilitating. I can only imagine actually breaking it. I know that bones, all of our bones are the same, clearly. But yes. in terms of strength, but it should be. But... I feel my collarbone sometimes, and just the idea of literally cracking it, like just reshifting it, I don't know what else that affects. So we're hoping for the best for um, for Trey Sermon, in addition to uh, Waddle, who actually went out there after fracturing his ankle in October, tried to give it a go tonight, uh, did have three receptions for 34 yards. You've seen Twitter, all of Twitter, going off, telling Nick Saban to take Waddle out of the game. This wasn't big enough to potentially jeopardize his career in the future like that. So um I hope he can get healthy with that ankle. That's what I would like to see him do over the next three months. I would like to see him get drafted and possibly be out for the first couple of weeks of uh of uh rookie showing up to camp and things like that. Because as you saw it today, he he looks great on one play and then the next play you see he's clearly favored. Well, yeah, from, I, like I said, I didn't see the game, but from what I've heard, just people like talking, he definitely didn't look like his normal self. He wasn't running like his normal self. But, uh, yeah, rest rest up, young man. 
A hundred percent. And I mean, no better way to rest than with the national championship. You got the national championship. <laughs> They're not paying you anyway. Oh my god, that's disgusting. I don't even want to think. I don't even think about that. Anyway, well, they're not paying you. They're not paying you on the table. Yes, <laughs> is I put what twenty dollars we'll in that damn Camaro every week. The only person that pays people on the table is Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, uh, shout out to Justin Odell. Jefferson. Love Odell. Um, I guess now we we look at this college football season and we see a year that UNLV football went zero and six. Uh, we see. It, I'm talking facts. Um, no, no, no. I, yeah, please. <laughs> we see. Or we saw a defending LSU team go through the first three weeks of a season unlike any defending champion I've seen in quite some time. Uh, I think what's interesting about this story, I was telling Duna that regardless of the way he wrote his story, either it was going to be Ohio State won a national title and won the pandemic, or in a season unlike – any other, one thing remains the same, and that's Alabama is still Alabama. Death, taxes, and a big old lineman from Jasper, Alabama. Sounds about right. Nothing you, nothing you can do. Not a thing you can do about it, especially when you have Nick Saban, Mac Jones throwing for almost 500 yards behind it. Nick Saban has people, as we speak, headed to some elementary school in a Texas. A thousand percent. Scouting fourth graders. A thousand percent. Telling him to roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs> Come to Tuscaloosa. Um, so I don't really have too much more for college football. I do want to get into uh, NFL, but I want to do it a little differently. So I want to actually talk about the NFL, the NFL offseason starting because originally during this show, if we recorded it yesterday, uh, and of course you guys are listening to Talk That Talk, you know, and when when I originally wrote out these notes – we were going to be doing this game. We would have had the fourth quarter of Baltimore, Tennessee, and probably the beginning of the first part of uh, Chicago, New Orleans. So I anticipated talking about the games as it was happening and talking about what the NFL, what the NFL offseason was going to look like. Because we're dealing, we're doing this on a Monday now. I would like to actually start with what the NFL offseason looks like, and I have an alternative stats for you, Celine. Mm. Are you ready? Hit me with it. I'm going to give you three coaches. Okay. I'm going to give you three coaches' records with their teams, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to ask the question, all right? NFL? Yes. Okay. So one coach went 9-23. and 23. One coach went 33-31. and 31. One coach went 23 and 43. Two of these coaches had their teams part ways with them, and one of these coaches yeah. were fired. I saw that, Anthony Lynn. But which record belongs to which coach? Anthony Lynn had the best one. Anthony on Lynn had the best record of yeah. the coaches that were let go. And Anthony Lynn was the only coach that was fired. The other two ones that I gave you guys, that's Adam Lane of the Chargers, of course. Let go. The first one is Adam Gase, who posted a 9-23 and record with the Jets, and now as a head coach, he is 32-48 and overall. The other name that I gave you guys was Doug Marone of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and of course Adam Gase is the New York Jets coach. Doug Marone of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who went 23-43 and in Jacksonville, 
and now has an overall record as a coach of 38 and 60. Anthony Lynn went 33 and 31 with the Los Angeles Chargers. And as a coach, can you guess his overall? No, I have no idea. He is 33 and 32. He's a game over 500. Look, I think he did a good job with developing Justin Herbert this year. I really do. I haven't said a word. I believe yes, it. his some of his decisions uh, in crunch time games have been bad. However, yeah, the the wording was, uh, well, to put it uh, bluntly, really fucking stupid. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense, and I would love for people to to say, "Oh, it's just a word. Oh, it's just a severance." Oh. It, that matters. That matters yeah. a lot. Because if you know anything about a job, for instance, if you quit, you don't get unemployment. Yeah, Plain you and simple. It, you know. So it matters a lot in the verbiage that's used. Uh, since then, Doug Peterson was let go this morning. And I will admit, I was shocked. I was shocked only because when you look at that Philadelphia situation, nine times out of ten, I know people are always going to say, in a situation like that, you have to go with either your coach or your quarterback. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think the issue with this, with Philadelphia, is Doug Peterson has proven that he can do it with more than one quarterback. He almost won a game of importance with Josh McCown. So from what I've read and what I've heard, his decision in that last game alienated a lot of the locker room. But like, and he's getting 100%. killed, and he's getting killed for that. But it's like, he had the best interest of the franchise. Like that game meant nothing to the Eagles except draft position. True. Yeah, you could say, yeah, you know, the players don't want to hear that, and that makes sense. You know, they're out to win, and it True. makes. But from an organization standpoint, you want to protect Jalen. If they get six overall and they take like Devontae and Jamar Chase, you think Eagles fans are going to be complaining next year? Of course not. When whoever throws him the ball. When they're getting 10, 11 touchdowns a year? No, but what about this? What about the simple fact that you said it You said it alienated a lot of people in the locker room? I mean, we saw Jalen Hurts' mouth like it's, it's, it ain't right. It just don't – it doesn't make sense. But here, here's what I will say, and this is where I kind of agree with certain people. If you've played sports, you know certain things are decided before – the game starts yeah and it's not going to change once the game starts period remember how i asked you earlier this year if ron rivera had it made up in his mind that he was going to play alex smith this year regardless yeah exactly at some point he was going to give alex smith a shot um because of that i wonder how much yes he lost some of the hearts of philadelphia but I wonder how many other hearts for other teams that he won. Because not only did he make his decision, or excuse me, not only did he decide on his decision before the game, and clearly he discussed it with the team, and then he facilitates the decision. After the game, I loved how Doug Peterson lived with the decision. He said, we're going to get Nate, you know. I told Nate. Nate Sudfeld. After four years, we're going to give him a shot in his potentially his final game as an Eagle. Yeah, we're going to let season, him play. At this point, the season's over. Let the guy play. I don't see being... a thing wrong with what Doug Peterson did. And second, I like Jalen Hurts. 
But let's not pretend in that game he was lighting the world on fire. He was no, but they did. They did still have a chance to win, and of course, it goes back to what you said. I think the only issue with this, because I think Carson Wentz may be on his way out too. He may be going to Indianapolis, but I'm looking at. I'm still a believer in Carson. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a disbeliever. So I'm. I'm kind of with you on that, but. I'm a firm believer, and this is we're gonna get into other coaches that should be hired. But Doug Peterson should be off the market immediately. He's a good coach. He's a great coach. He's going to go somewhere else, and he's going to be just as good. What happens if he goes to Jacksonville? Oh, and he gets to work with uh, Mr. Trevor Lawrence. I like that. They have a young running back in Jerome Robinson. Who's very good. They have a couple of wideouts on the end and DJ Chark and Chris Conley. They have some pieces. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I just want to see how long it takes. But I'm not in the business of that. I am in the business of caping for other people. And I don't hear seeing people caping for black guys. So that's what I'm about to do. I'm here to cape for the black people. And I know it may sound weird on a sports show to hear that. But you don't hear it enough. So yeah. I'm going to let it be said. Uh, so... Let's talk about the best available jobs. Um, already mentioning, or we're adding the Eagles to this list now. We got the Eagles, the Jets, the Chargers, the Jaguars, the Lions, the Texans, and the Falcons. What is the best available job? Okay, so you said Texans. I got the Texans. Let me look. The e- got the Texans, the Eagles, the Falcons. Where are we at? The Texans, the Eagles, the Falcons, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Lions. To be honest with you, I never thought I would say this. The Jaguars. Really? Yo, you, you tell me I can coach. Again, this gets said a lot, but he really is an incredible prospect. I think he's a surefire thing. You said I can come coach hmm. Trevor Lawrence and live near the beach? Yeah, I've lived in Jacksonville. It's not perfect, but at least you got the beach. And I don't have to deal with 10 degrees in snow. Or the Chargers job, which is nice, too, because you got Justin Herbert down there. You're in – I was about to say San Diego, see? <laughs> it should be in San Diego, but I digress. Uh, I have two answers for this. Two Houston answers. is good. Really? Th- okay. There's good options there, and then there's a couple bad ones. That I think that's kind of the more thing. They're you all could, pretty good, except – You could quickly go to a couple of them that just you wouldn't touch. No. Nah. <laughs> so let's do this let's talk about this situation i, I think the jets are, are are what the jets are um I, i'm gonna give you my two answers all right i'm gonna slowly start eliminating some some teams because it may not matter the chargers i think whoever goes there you still have to deal with patrick mahomes so i think best case scenario you're looking for a wild card if you go to the afc west that is true i think detroit is interesting if, and I say if, you get Matthew Stafford to buy in. And that's kind of similar with the Houston pick as well. For those who don't know, I don't even think Terrell knows. I have a special place in my heart for the city of Detroit. I think you told me this. I love that city. So, I kind of always root a little bit for the Lions. Be careful. Aaron Rodgers is my GOAT. Good choice. But... I, I do like the city of Detroit. Those people deserve a good team there. And here's here's the now, – now I'm slowly boiling down to my picks. So the only thing I haven't said is the Jags, the tight – or excuse me, the Jags, the um, Falcons, or the Eagles. So 
my first pick would be Philly because of division. Yeah, that's you're going somewhere where a down year could still win you the division. That's where I want to say my as a coach going into it, that's what I would want to see. Best case scenario because you look at Ron Rivera, you may look at him and say 7 and 9. That's not a good season for your first year, but you look at him and you say you won the division in your first year. Forget the record. At that point, forget the record. I won my division. The record doesn't matter at that point. If the Giants won six and ten and won the division, that would have been very. That would have just my like. As my a Dolphin fan, I know you probably would have been flipping stuff over. It would just be more like six and ten, such an absurd record to go to the playoffs. I think I'd actually laugh. I think a lot of Imagine people would have Giants laughed. Giants fans and their like and their players were angry. It's like, I mean, bro, what, what more could you want them to do? Like, I get being upset, but like at the same time, dude, you won six games. You won six games. I mean, but at the same time, too, like, well, let's not even let's not even worry about that. Some Giants player, I forget who it was, he did say like, "We have no reason to be upset. We won six games this year." I did hear somebody say that, and he's absolutely right. And I forgot who it was, but he's he's a hundred percent right. Uh, what who, control your own destiny? Um, six games. The other t- the other name that I was going to mention out of the Jaguars and the Falcons. I'm naming the Falcons because out of everybody else that's on this list, of course, the Eagles won a championship. But we've seen the Eagles look great one year and absolutely horrible the next year. You look at Atlanta, and sure, you can say the same exact thing. No, you're looking at numbers. If you watch Atlanta's games, who has more one-possession losses than the the Falcons over the last four or five years? I I think the only answer is the Chargers. You look at how many – and as far as comebacks go – I mean, how many big games, you know, Atlanta's up by, like, 20. Very true. I mean, we don't even have to talk about 2017, what Absolutely. happened four years ago. They did it this year, who, with the Falcons? I mean, with the uh, Cowboys. Cowboys, that was They, did, they did it with the uh, Lions. The Bears, right? They did it with the Bears. And some other team. Did it. it is what it is. So let's do this. The reason why I brought up all of those different things is because now let's talk about some Matty Ice possible still, candidates. still damn good, too. And then you still have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Yeah, Julio Jones, just because he got hurt a little bit this year, people forget that he's still, like, Julio Jones. <laughs> Even half of Julio Jones is still Julio Jones. They want to act like he's, like, going to the more. He's, like, he's like 31 years old. That's not – like, he's still in his prime, in my opinion. No, I think if he's not in his prime, this is his last year. If If he's not in his prime. But – Going back to what you said, who's to say that he's not? Because before... As long as he's healthy, man, he's top five wide receiver, right? Top three, honestly. I mean, uh, we've seen Megatron, and Megatron, like, did some stuff that was unbelievable. But I don't know, and and I'm a Packer fan, and we watched Megatron twice a year, trust me. Megatron did some amazing things. I'm not sure how many times we looked at Megatron and was like, he looks like a created player. You get what I'm saying? Like, Megatron was already big. True, he's 6'5", whatever, what, 221, 231, whatever he was, huge. But it was almost like it wasn't like that, That um, what's the word? Everybody almost wants to make it seem like DK Metcalf is like a, like chiseled, like, like, like a chiseled statue almost. Yeah. Julio Jones was the first of that type yeah. that was like, yo, what the hell am I looking at right now? 
Like, what position does he play? 6'3", runs a 4'3". Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you 20. see that in this and making catches. And, again, I don't think I've seen too many Moss catches, Randy Moss-esque catches, like those Calvin Johnson ones since Calvin Johnson besides maybe Julio. I'm talking about, like, going up with two defenders. DeAndre Hopkins, take Cal- that back. Calvin Johnson is my favorite wide receiver ever. I don't know. He's a lion, and he might be mine. In my opinion, he's – look, we can rank wide receiver. I think he's a top five wide receiver. I saw what Calvin Johnson did. I just want to point out the fact that great wide receivers wear 81. Shout out to Cousin Tim Brown. But yeah, absolutely. They do. I just want to point that out. Um, so let's talk about some names really quick. Let's – I want to give a big shout-out to my uh, my OG, my mentor all the time. I always say it. NFL Network's own Steve Weiss. That's my guy. Um, I didn't know about this person up until him. And I just listened to a lot of his stuff, and I listened to a uh, to just his um, his advice. And of course, you know he's one of those analysts on NFL Network that they'll ask him who is the best coaching option for whatever team. He's been high on Pep Hamilton for a really long time, and that's the LA Chargers quarterback coach. So I, I just wonder how much emphasis he should get from multiple teams during this search. If you look at Justin Herbert and you say he had a great year, why not look at his quarterback coach? If I'm the Chargers, because look, I'm going to him. No disrespect to Herbert, and yeah, he had good numbers at Oregon. If you look at the tape, and again, as a fan of a team that was very QB needy and was like going to draft a quarterback, I, I watched... I thought you were talking about UNLV, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know what you were doing, I really didn't. I watched every single throw from Justin Herbert last year. Mm-hmm. This is actually, like, I went on YouTube. After every game, I watched every single throw. Mm-hmm. The job that Hamilton did with him this year is unbelievable. Yes, Herbert had good numbers. He was right. not half the quarterback he is now. Mm. Like, it's not even close. So some seeing of that, that Pep some, Hamilton gets a shot from somewhere will some, be interesting. Some of that is the system they played at Oregon with having him throw, screw, like, swing passes all game. <laughs> yes. But even the intermediate stuff that he hits now, he wasn't hitting. He was overthrows, mm. just yeah, and like you said, even early in the year, missing people between the numbers, just small stuff, small he's things that were ten tweaked. times the quarterback he was even like eight months ago, mm. or a, a year ago, whatever you want to say. No, anything I'm listening to you. We're talking about his progression throughout the year as well. No, I, I, Justin Herbert is fantastic, and Hamilton, I believe, should get a lot of credit for that. Another person who, <laughs> at this point, I do believe that this man will get a shot, only because the the murmurs have gone from whisp- from murmurs to whispers to full-blown yells and screams yeah. at this point, and you know where I'm going. Yeah. I'm going Eric Bieniemy. That man, look, I believe, I do believe that he will get a head coaching job. I do think, though, I think he likes being in Kansas City, too. I think he does. You got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. <laughs> I think you have free reign to Andy Reid trust his guy. Andy Reid, Bruce Arians, uh, I'm trying to think of some other coaches. Ron Rivera. Um, so Andy does call most of the plays, but you still have to be in a situation where you're respected. Bill Belichick, where if you go to Bill. Granted, not too many people are going to go to Bill and be like, we should run this defensive scheme. Bill Belichick is going to look at you and say, are you talking to me about defense? Um, Defensive mastermind. But who Who is ever going to say he's not? Um, to ask Sam Darnold when he's seeing ghosts. 
Um, I I, th- I still think that is that in itself. I know I'm sidetracking really quick, but Bill Belichick, we're gonna bring him up later on. Bill Belichick, I feel like to encompass his career, I know he's done so much. I think that one statement is going to ring loud in Bill Belichick's career. Bill Belichick was so, so much of a defensive mastermind that Sam Darnold literally said I, I'm, he was out there seeing ghosts. He's thinking that there's a player there and there's not. Or he doesn't see a player there and they just appear there. When you look at Bill's record versus rookie quarterbacks, it's something insane like uh, I think like 7-23 and 23 or something. So I don't know, something like that. Uh, the last rookie quarterback to beat Bill Belichick actually was Tua Tagovailoa about a month ago. Thank you for going ahead and giving uh, me that, give, and giving everybody stat. that that stat because that's where I was about to go right now. Yeah, because I was about to say there's one rookie quarterback that did it. Yeah. You know who it is? You know why I did that? Of course you did. Yeah. Um, another thing that I do want to mention, <clears throat> excuse me, you just mentioned it, Bill. Uh, Eric Bannemi is the offensive coordinator for uh, Kansas City. There's no reason to leave. So because of that, I kind of am with you to a certain extent. I feel like. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, and I and I, I don't know how it is in terms of getting the getting the how hard it is to get the actual interview, but I know so many black coaches that have been waiting for for interviews that either they didn't get or they felt like the interview was a formality and they kind of just brought it were brought in to meet a quota and whatever. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, I don't know how much interest I'm giving. The, and I know, understand the Jaguars might be a hot trending spot, but what if they're what if they don't perform? So if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm I'm going Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia esque with my selection. I'm being extremely select. Denver don't call me. Yeah, don't don't. That's, New that's York, the, the Giant or the Jets don't call me. Jacksonville don't call me. Now, if you look at a Philadelphia team, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, hmm, Jalen Hurts, huh? I'm looking at Detroit even, and I'm like, hmm. If Eric Bieniemy should be in a position because he's done what he's done, he should be able to walk in and have a little bit of authority if he does go to a place like Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. You gave Matt Patricia authority. You got to right. give me. He deserves all the interviews. He definitely deserves a job. That's no question. Can you imagine Eric Bieniemy with, Matt, with Matthew Stafford? That'd be beautiful to watch. Make not for me. Well, not for you. But. <laughs> How about you go to Atlanta an and then go get Matthew Stafford to take him with you? How about that? And Matt Ryan, he goes uh, a little swap. <laughs> it depends. If you do that, I just cause I'm I still think Matt but Ryan has something left. I Matt just Ryan's don't. Great. Uh, I, I I have never been scared of Detroit. Is all I'm gonna say. I have never been scared of Detroit. I have been scared of Megatron. Take so, that for what you will. But like like we've said, like Eric Bieniemy, of course he deserves a job. That's no question. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, you're gonna have to give me an awful lot to leave that. I'm comfortable. So much. I have a generational quarterback, one, already one of the best ever. I got good barbecue because it's Kansas City. You ever had Kansas City barbecue? It's I have ridiculous. not. It's I ridiculous. have not. And I heard it's so underrated. It's it's absurd. <laughs> right up there with Memphis. I need to go to Memphis for a bunch of different reasons. Yes. So, look, er- Eric Bieniemy. Tennessee. Yes. Eric Bieniemy is uh, a great coach. If I were him, like you said, man, it would take a great situation to make me leave. And, I mean, not even that, too, but I think it's multiple situations around here when you kind of look at it. Because the next person I'm mentioning is Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator, and that's Byron Leftwich. And here's the reason why I don't want to give Byron Leftwich too much attention right now. 
Because Byron Leftwich was one of the best college quarterbacks that doesn't get talked about. And he went and to he Marshall. Was, he was very underrated in Jacksonville, too. And he was very. And uh, David Garrar was actually good for a couple of years down there as well. So Byron and David Garrard. Jacksonville had stability for a long time. A, a decent amount. Um, so when you look at, at Byron Leftwich's career, I'll be honest with you, man. I I was looking up Byron Leftwich and in the, in the, the building these notes, I found out that Marshall was looking for a head coach. Interesting. And in my mind, I instantly looked at Byron and was like, I know a lot of the the heat kind of somewhat died down, I want to say, because it it could be in his favor. Because when Brady started playing bad this year, of course, they went to Bruce Arians. Um, When he came in, he was working out with Tom Brady all the time. So he was getting a lot of that praise and that credit. So if I'm him, maybe I go to Marshall. And maybe I take a chance there only because he, especially depending on even if the even if the uh, Bucks lose this year, I think that with Jameis Winston's season last year and Tom Brady, I think you have enough of a resume at least over the last two years to go back to your alma mater. Um, oh yeah, they should. They would, in my opinion, they'd hire him in a second. And 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 especially lead with there. the Marshall connection. I mean, I mean, he was two time Mac MVP. Uh, excuse me, he was two time Mac MVP when he went. Yeah. So, I mean, you have somebody who can tell you about the game from not only a collegiate level but a uh, but a professional level, and you have the connections that you have. So that's one thing to mention. And this last name that I'm going to mention right now is actually somebody who served in an interim role. And we covered this entire season on this radio show, and we detailed how better Atlanta got when Raheem Morris took over. That's Atlanta's uh, defensive coordinator. Dan O'Quinn. Just got a job. Where? I didn't even. I didn't. I don't think I got that. He. Uh, My Pacers lost, guys. He he got a job as a defensive coordinator with who was it? Uh, let me look that up. While you're looking that up, Raheem Morris is somebody who injected the Falcons with new life, and I think that's what I found so interesting about his uh, rise Cowboys. this year. Sorry. Really? He's a defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Who did we just say that was? Daniel Quinn. Dan Quinn. Oh, I said Daniel Quinn. Why did I, I say said Daniel Quinn? Quinn too? I, oh. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm over here thinking about Kyle O'Quinn in the NBA. No, don't ask. Da- um, so, if he's there, I had a question I was going to say. Because he gave up. The, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Didn't I just tell you that the Falcons blew a lead to the Cowboys this year? That some of Jerry's moves just make no sense to me. And Salim is showing me something about Devontae's including tonight. Final tally for this season. And earlier we said what? 105. 105. So now he's up to 117 receptions, almost 1,900 yards, and he had 25 total touchdowns. In 13 games. And of course, games. he was just named the offensive MVP of the national title game, he will be moving on to be a top 10 pick in this NFL draft, I'm pretty sure. Um, Raheem Morris was the last name I wanted to mention. So before Anthony Lynn was fired, there was four minority coaches in the NFL, and now there are only three. Salim, can you give them to me? Now there's three? There are three minority coaches. Raheem Morris, 
Brian. F- I mean, not re- sorry. Without, I'll about to say without the uh, interim tag. Brian Flores. Yes, sir. Ron Rivera. Yes, sir. And hold on, give me a sec. Uh, as soon as you remember, you're gonna be like, oh, duh. Oh, Mike Tomlin. Absolutely. So you just name, and that's disgusting that you can name all three of the minority coaches. Yeah. It took you longer to name the three the three Heisman winners that weren't quarterbacks. I just want you to know that. Yeah. Take it for what you will. Um, speaking about that, like I said before, we, we could talk about coaching all day long, but I'm not sure that this is going to be the last time that we talk about it. So we can slightly move on. But we're still talking about the NFL offseason. Uh, before last week's ga- or this weekend's games, uh, Dwayne Haskins was cut by the Washington football team. Another move that was made by Ron Rivera. I do like I don't like that move, but I do like the fact that Ron Rivera uh, has come in and clearly set a culture. And we we already said when he came in, he was going to do that if nothing else. Uh, he came in, let go of Darius Geis, eventually cut Dwayne Haskins, uh, bench Geis. players accordingly. Various guys absolutely deserve to go. I'm just, I'm just saying, regardless of the fact, Ron Rivera walked in and had no problem giving people their walking papers, and maybe they hadn't said more than two words to him. But that's the type of person that he is in terms of setting a culture. So and he did, he did a good job this season, in my opinion. Uh, I think he did a great job. This Dwayne Haskins situation is so weird, but we're gonna slightly best, get into it right now. I think it's best for both of those parties to go. Their separate ways. I agree, but here's here's where I'm at with it, and I, here's where I'm at with it. I just want to give you guys a, 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 a timeline because because Dwayne Haskins, uh, I forgot what the tweet was, but somebody tweeted basically about this Dwayne Haskins thing, and I said, well, I mean, we also can't ignore the fact that his – we had like his role was the same as every other first round quarterback. It wasn't. And he was like, well, what did he, I, I, I was like considering what he went through or something like that. And the person was like, well, what did he go through? I thought it was a rhetorical question. I was like, are you, are we, are we serious? I said, okay. I said, um, he went to an organ or he got drafted to an organization whose head coach said immediately after drafting him that he did not want him. That's first. I said, so not only that, you don't take, any reps with the first team during the regular during the um during practice throughout the year and you get thrown into your first game action not because there was an injury but because they benched the starter which would mean that that was some sort of idea there was some sort of idea that you were going to go away from your starter which would indicate which would be indicated rather through practice when you split the team reps i just looked this up he's had 13 career starts. He, he's only 23 years old. He's a baby, bro. He's it's far too early for I and I just saw that he has a he visited Carolina or he's going to visit the Panthers. Um interesting. Look. And if you want to talk about how some QBs need more time, Shout out to Josh Allen, MVP candidate, great year. He was absolutely horrific as a rookie. 100%. God awful. As a <laughs> passer, was, I mean, as bad. a runner, he was really he was, good. Don't yeah, get me. He was bad. He was legitimately horrific. <laughs> I the think next he would year, say that. The next year, he had, in this first year, okay, he had a 52% completion percentage right. and more interceptions than he did touchdowns. Right. 
That the first number, the completion percentage, was the worst number in the NFL. His second year, he had 20 TDs and nine picks. That's pretty good, except he also had the lowest completion percentage in the NFL the next year. So my point is, it takes a long time to evaluate a quarterback. These, I get why Arizona grabbed Kyler Murray. I yes. get it. It, but now everybody wants to like, oh, a 10, 13 games, give up, get it. Like, I know that's the trend. That's the big deal now. It's it is horrible, and it makes no sense. Because when I even I, I brought that up to him, and I said this is the way he was thrown into his first game action, clearly by a coach who was like, let's see what this guy can do. And it that decision lost that coaching staff their jobs, period, that entire coaching staff. So when that happens, you bring in a new head coach. Of course, I love Ron Rivera. I was excited for that move. Um, and then I, I mentioned right away when Ron Rivera went out and got Kyle Allen. Because the first thing that went through my mind was he went and got a quarterback he's familiar with. So if worse comes to worse with this COVID stuff, he can go with a guy that he knows knows his system as opposed to trying to teach another guy their system. I do think that Ron Rivera went and did his job by giving Dwayne Haskins the start to start the year. However, remember, I was even a little weirded out when he said that uh, Dwayne Haskins had a chance of getting benched if he didn't play well, whatever that game was, week five or whatever it was. And I told you – I understood his argument behind we still have a chance to win the division and it's not fair to everybody else. However, you weren't losing games because of Dwayne Haskins. You may have lost a game because of Dwayne Haskins, but I don't think you were losing games because of Dwayne Haskins. No disrespect to Josh Rosen, but Josh Rosen was losing games for Arizona. He was losing games. Granted, Arizona, it was a dumpster fire when he was there, but he was losing games for Arizona. Same thing, well, doesn't really matter, but my whole point in saying that and trying to bring it back around is it wasn't an ideal situation for him. That game, his last game as a uh, as a, a member of the Washington football team, he didn't play bad. He's not a – I think he could still be very good. I want to look this up. You can go ahead and continue because I, I want to look up he what those numbers were. He started 13. I just looked it up. He had uh, five touchdown passes this year, seven picks. Uh, but I want to know what he had in that game. Okay, so the game that he got pulled, or the game that he, they said that he um, was going to end up losing, uh, losing his job, I take that back. This was not a good game. <laughs> I take that back. This was not a he, great he game. He can still be – he's young. He's only 23. He started 13 career games. Has it been good up to this point? No. But there's a reason he went in the first round. We saw what he did at Ohio State. I mean, the guy threw like fifty touchdown passes or something crazy like that. He's uh, oh no, absolutely. See, that's what I, that's what I am. That's what I. That is what I'm looking at. I was the um, I was looking at this Carolina game, which he did play. Uh, he went fourteen for twenty eight, only for fifty yards. And see, this is okay. This is why. This is why. This is why. So Dwayne Haskins was originally benched after week four. Yes, that's what I was waiting to look at. He was originally benched after week four. Where was um his best game, I believe, right? Yes, which he went thirty two for forty five, three hundred and fourteen yards, had a quarterback rating of three of of ninety, but he was sacked three times. Um he also ran for a touchdown. That wasn't a bad game. 
No. And he was benched following that game. That was probably the best game of his career. So he played four games this year and or before being benched this year and had quarterback ratings of 80, 83, 88, 59, and 90. So looking at those numbers, it wasn't like he was absolutely horrific going back to what you just said. And then following that, as I said before, I believe that Ron Rivera had it made up in his mind that he was going to give Alex Smith a shot this year. So that adds another another quarterback to the um, – to the mix, and then here's the two instances where I say that this led to a release release that I don't want to say I was in favor of, but I understood. And that goes uh, into Dwayne Haskins no longer being named a captain. And whenever that happens, especially being a, a coach now, coaching middle school basketball and things like that, I understand that that can come from practice that can come from team meetings that can come from a multitude of things so when that happened my ears perked up I did not expect for less than four days after for Dwayne Haskins to be a free agent and then we saw the what else um with the COVID protocols and multiple violations yeah. I think that's the original reason why he got uh I don't know who the said captain this, away. but they said uh captain title. somebody I think it was a reporter said this, or ESPN, or something on Twitter, that Haskins grew up in the D.C. area and that it's better for him that he probably goes somewhere else where he mm-hmm. can clear his head. I agree. I think he's definitely going to get another shot. Uh, I think he should. Um, as far as landing spots for Haskins, I mean, honestly, I like Tampa. Mm. Let him sit behind Brady for a year. Hmm. Coached up by Flefwich is still there and uh, Bruce Arians. Hmm. I think that'd be good for him. Carolina, possibly. But I like Tampa. That's interesting. That's interesting. The only thing that I would wonder about Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater is a good veteran to learn from, but I wonder if that would be kind of the idea would be to – Get him around somebody who has his, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, play style almost. Like that, that's, I like that idea. I like that idea. Didn't Andy Dalton only sign a one year deal? I think it was one, but it might have been two. I want to say it was one. It was ex- it's extremely incentive heavy. But I think that if Andy Dalton wasn't, wasn't to re- return to Dallas, I think Dallas would be a good landing spot for him. Uh, again, going off of what I said about Teddy Bridgewater, just having a quarterback in front of you that kind of plays like you. Like, I think Dak Prescott has – well, I know Dak Prescott has a stronger arm than both of them. But they – I like how Jerry came out and said he's like, yeah, no, Dak has leverage. (laughs) That's neither here nor there because I don't want to get too, too deep into that. But I've heard Jerry say some things and then – Act as if he didn't say it. Hashtag Jerry Jones. <laughs> That's Texas for you. Um, Love so, yeah, it, it seems like regardless of what happens with Dwayne Hassan throughout his career, he's going to be attached to uh, Daniel Jones for the rest of it. Similar to uh, the NBA, Luka Doncic and Trey Young, they're forever going to be attached. Uh, Chris Weber and uh, Penny Hardaway were forever attached. I'm wondering – how many people today are looking at this and they're saying that Dwayne Haskins 
isn't even in the same ballpark as Daniel Jones. Because we we have somebody on our staff who's a Giant fan. Shout out to Tyler. He's not a big fan of Danny Dimes. Yeah, and he's quarterback shopping right now. (laughs) He's quarterback shopping. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I'm still – I'm a bigger believer in Danny Dimes than most people. I don't think he's bad. I still think there's a lot of potential there. Um, But, yeah, Dwayne – Man, ninety nine percent, not ninety nine percent, but a good, like eighty percent of a quarterback's success rate is being wanted. Oh, never mind. Yes, <laughs> but situation in general, man, like a hundred percent. We can talk about Josh Rosen and stuff. Man, you want to talk about being screwed? <laughs> like you play behind the two two of the worst offensive lines in NFL history your first two seasons. For sure. Different. I mean, it's. Look, I, I just feel that a lot of this is situation and him going to D.C. where he's from and the it, pressure, the pressure, just an owner you think it was can, the same thing. With, you think it was a Lonzo Ball effect? Even more so, I'd say, mm. you know, I think Dwayne Haskins, we don't know what his career is going to look like at this point. I still think he has potential. And he's only 23 years old. People want to give up on guys' entire careers. He has 13 career starts. Dwayne Haskins is going to be a problem. I, I truthfully think he is. Uh, we're going to get into, um, we're going to get into one more topic, uh, before we jump into Super Wild Card Weekend. I wanted to make sure that we get everything back into this rotation we're about to start at westgate soon we have announcements for that coming up coming up uh not on this episode i don't want to leave you guys hanging for that but we do have some coming up in the coming weeks you might see them on social media just go ahead and uh stay tuned with us we do have that official launch date being able to or being ready to be dropped soon but we want to make sure that we're bringing back these stats. I mean, these uh, segments. So that's why we did a couple of alternative stats. We're going to open up the alternative stats to uh, uh, the fans and hopefully be able to give away some prizes and stuff with that. So that should be definitely fun and, and good to see. I want to bring back the segment of that's out there now. Hashtag that's out there now. And the person that I want to mention today is Elizabeth Berry, who is the wife of Alex Smith. Elizabeth Berry gifted Alex Smith a trophy. Did you see that trophy? I did not. Do me a favor and Google Alex Smith wife trophy. So Alex Smith's wife, Elizabeth Berry, gifted Alex Smith a trophy (laughs) that was made out of his brace. That's awesome. I don't think that response from you and me does this gesture enough because as a person who's dealt with an injury just an injury of any sort a a long rehab injury there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of mental things that you're not even sure if you could if you want to get up that day there's a lot of mental stuff that goes into it so if you guys do not know Alex Smith when he broke his leg last season two two seasons ago um he had 17 surgeries on that right leg His life at one point was in danger. Had an infection in the leg. Wasn't even questioning whether he was going to play football. Like you just said, they were questioning whether he was going to live. And then there was at one point when that got a little less severe in terms of threatening his life, there was still a chance that he could lose the limb. 
Yeah, he might have. In fact, people were telling him just cut it off. And I remember I seen one video or picture of the infection. And when you see it, it's almost question like, how did you not almost the cut it off? The, the e- I think it was E60 that did. If you Either watched, E60 or 30 for 30, one of the two. I think it was E60, but I'm not. Either way, I watched that and I saw the pictures and videos of his leg. Oh, my God. I rarely, I'm not a squeamish person. I crunched up. I had to look away. I look away during certain injuries. I looked away for KDs. I look, I look away for every Achilles injury. And I think it might be because I did it before. So you kind of know exactly when it happens. So I don't like that. But outside of that, seeing the infection picture made me cringe. And when he initially broke his leg, when he rolled over and the leg flopped with him, that was the moment where I I literally felt like my skin crawling. Um, I don't want to get too visual for the for the yeah. listeners out there. We don't want to do that to I'm so sorry, guys. It didn't even look like a leg at that point. It, it, if you've seen, see, and it's kind of weird because my mom has worked in the medical field, so I feel like she's had me look at some stuff that I probably didn't need to look at, but she had me look at. Um, I think that's important to mention just because I think having somebody in your corner – goes i know we we have our podcast where we make our jokes and we talk about this generation of dating and things like that but in all seriousness um if marriage is the goal a life partner like this is what you want is somebody who is going to not only be there for you but uh be willing to carry the weight for you when when needed um another thing i just want to mention because um patrice o'neill had a great bit about that about somebody else. I'm not going to mention it here because it's not appropriate, but we will <laughs> talk about this on the podcast. Then we will definitely do it on the if podcast. If you guys have yeah. not seen, rest in peace to Patrice, I don't know if you rest have not peace. seen his stand-up special, Elephant in the Room, please watch it, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about in terms of women doing things <laughs> for the man they love. And kind of piggy- kind of piggybacking off of uh, the Alex Smith uh, point, Ace Hood, and I, I granted I'm going from sports to music, but that's you guys know if you know the, if you listen to the podcast, you know this is what we do. Um, Ace Hood is somebody who a lot of people may know him from his uh, run with DJ Khaled, and a lot of people know him from that. Um, Ace Hood is somebody who is an incredibly hard worker. Like I talk a lot about K Camp being a hard worker. Uh, Ace Hood is right there. And Ace Hood does a lot of his uh, independently. So his wife, this Christmas, did something that was absolutely amazing, in my opinion. She gifted Ace Hood two platinum plaques. And while he was opening his gift, his wife, Sheila Marie, I hope I'm, I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. Sheila Marie, she was narrating a video almost. And she said when Ace was, uh, or maybe it was a, it was a, um, uh, uh, like a caption for the video. She said that uh, when Ace was at the peak of his career, you know, dealing with labels, he was signed, he was getting plaques every day for records that went gold or went platinum or whatever the case may be. And she said since he's no longer signed and he's independent, those plaques stopped. She said, and oftentimes, when you have a, a third party that provides something like that, 
you you don't get them when you're working alone and you're doing your independent stuff. And what she wanted to show him was that it's no different. You're putting in the same amount of work, doing the same exact thing, That's and you're awesome. still getting the benefits of it. That's awesome. So she said, forget somebody getting a plaque made for you and bringing it to you. We'll make our own plaques. That's that's really cool. I, I truthfully thought that was one of the best stories of 2020, and that's it happened awesome. on Christmas Day. That's really awesome. That's the last that's out there now goes to Bill Belichick, <laughs> who told 45 in his present administration that he would not be taking the Medal of Honor. Uh, what is it? The Medal of Freedom? Uh, what is it? Yeah, Medal of Freedom. Is the Medal of Freedom honor? So he won't he won't be taking the Medal of Freedom uh, honor from 45 in his administration, citing the tragic events at the Capitol building and uh, essentially saying that 45 incited a riot. This is a podcast topic for sure. Yeah, so we're going to get out of here. Yeah. We're going to get out of here because I already, I already see where I'm going. But uh, let's talk about Wild Card Weekend, man. Let's do it. Let's get out of this and talk about some Wild Card Weekend. Let's do it. Um, without thinking too hard, it was six games. Without thinking too hard, road teams went what? Go. Give me an answer now. There are six games. Six games now. Road teams went four and two. Road teams went four and two. You hit the nail right on the head. I guessed that completely. I'm sure you did. The Buffalo Bills and the New Orleans Saints were the only two teams to win at home. The Buffalo Bills came away with their first playoff win since 1995, with the 27 to 24 win over the Buffalo. I mean, excuse me, over the Indianapolis Colts. Buffalo still has another week to play. So I want to talk about the team that doesn't have another week to play. Did we see Phillip Rivers play his final game in the NFL? Uh, I think so. And I think, like you said, he's going to go coach a high school team in southern Alabama where his kids go to school. I think we have, and I think uh, no matter what happens with the Saints, I think we've seen this is – these are the last couple of weeks of Drew Brees' career. I will say, I said I thought Phillip Rivers was cooked last year. And I also said, Phillip Rivers, although I may not be as high as everybody else on saying he's a first, he's an automatic Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe I'm not on that wave yet, but his level of cooked, is different from, no disrespect to Matt Schaub, who just recently retired, but different from a Matt Schaub's level of cook. Yeah, no, there's a... So, there's a gap with that. So, again, we talk about the Colts, and we saw the Colts, and we talked about Matthew Stafford. If Matthew Stafford went to Indianapolis, what would that team look like? And that question still is there for me. Now that question is has been elevated and improved and increased to, what does that team look like with Nick Foles? What does that team look like with Carson Wentz? What does that team look like with Matt Ryan? So now I'm thinking about multiple quarterbacks in that situation. Um, I think because uh, of that, I don't think Phillips done. I think if it's Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford, the team gets better. But if we're talking about Nick Foles or who's the other guy you mentioned, uh, Carson, Carson Wentz. Honestly, if Phillip retires and I can't get either of the two Matts, <laughs> I'm. That guy they have sitting on the bench Jacoby is Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, he's pretty damn good. I, I, he's really good. I, you know, people forget about him. He's. I don't think he's going to be there, man. I don't. 
I hope he gets a job somewhere. I hope he can start because he's a starting caliber quarterback. Would you send him to the Jets? I like Jacoby Brissett. I'm on. So you wouldn't send him to the Jets? Why would I? <laughs> my only thing. Why would I wish that upon him? My only thing with that is, wouldn't you find out very quickly if Sam Darnold is the real deal or not? Because you know that J- that Jacoby Brissett could play quarterback. You know he could play quarterback. I mean, yeah, like I, you know, I hope Jacoby gets a job, but I wouldn't wish that on him. <laughs> So we're going to get out of here then. I guess we won't wish that on him. Um, this other game is kind of weird because I thought I normally have, like, every game I tried to put some type of note next to it. For this Chicago-New Orleans game, New Orleans came away with a 21-9 win over Chicago at home. The only thing that I put in parentheses was, Nick, was Nickelodeon. <laughs> this game was broadcasted on Nickelodeon. Awesome. The first NFL that was broadcast, first NFL game that was broadcasted on Nickelodeon. I cannot express how amazing this was oh it was really cool especially the slime zone and then with the spongebob as the in the field goal uh the i think smaller details than that was of course just like a just like any any sports broadcast you want to be able to tell some sort of the story like so tell a little bit of it but also you got to realize you're talking to kids so they don't really care however they did a good job explaining the game a very good job. I like the fact that you can literally see the visual of the red zone being marked red. I like that. I like the first down being a slime swiggle. I like that. Um, I like the fact that when they explained that the leaders of the offense was Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, and they compared it to SpongeBob and Patrick. That was really cool. For me, I'm sitting here like, so Taysom Patrick, because, so, right? So as an adult, I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on? But as a kid, I understand why you're saying neither one of them, well, I guess for a kid's uh, interpretation, it's like neither one of them is the go-to guy all the time anymore. Yeah. We're splitting it with both. So I think it was an interesting way just to kind of, kind of, I don't want to say dumb it down, I really don't, but like to kind of water it down for kids yeah. to the point where you're not talking a kid's ear off with a bunch of numbers. Yeah, no, like, don't get me wrong. If I was up there, I'd love to talk, talk to these kids about uh, aerial yards. Exactly. And like, you know. But they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Except me as a kid, I actually did care, but that's not. A- except for me too. Like, I'm the only weirdo that was like, no, please tell me about the aerial yards. So... Um, that's kind of all I really have for that game. Only reason why is because Chicago's offense has been Chicago's offense. Yeah, no, that was a bad game. <laughs> it was just a really weird game to watch. Like it, it was just I tried so because the Nickelodeon broadcast was really cool. Nate Burleson and Gabby did a great job. But man, what a what an awful football game! <laughs> I really I tried. I was like, you know what? Let me uh let me try, and I just it just didn't work for you. It just just didn't work. Well, let's do this. That's the those are the only two home teams that won. The rest of these uh games, the away team came away with a win. Let's go ahead and start up in Seattle. Uh the LA Rams came away with a 30 to 20 win over the Seattle Seahawks. I almost said Supersonics. Um defense was key, as it often is when the Rams play. Uh beginning with Jalen Ram let me switch that up real quick. Beginning with Aaron Donald and ending with Jalen Ramsey. Um, I, I think the L.A. Rams continue to show that as long as you – we talk about it all every year with the postseason. You let one dangerous team – every team is dangerous, but you let a team get in that's dangerous for multiple reasons. And now you now you got a little bit of a, of a, of a different uh, 
of a different monster on your hand. And I think when you have a team that can win games with their defense, simply by shutting you down and keeping you from scoring. I want zero parts of that Rams defense. Uh, <sighs> Who do the Rams play this week? We'll talk about that later. Wait, did the Rams play the Packers? We'll talk about that later. Oh, my God, man. With no David Bakhtiari. So, um, Aaron Donald did leave the game, uh, was breathing a little weird on the sideline. A lot of people were saying it might have been his ribs. As a person who suffered from bruised ribs, I do know what that labored breathing looks like. However, you don't want to assume anything can be going on internally. Hopefully, it's nothing that will keep him uh, out of this game because we do want – Still dominated. Still. Two sacks in the first quarter. And not only that, Russell Wilson – I've watched a lot of Russell Wilson, and I say that all the time. Russell Wilson doesn't get – when he gets sacked by Aaron Donald, it doesn't look the same as when he gets sacked by everybody else. It just doesn't. No. It just doesn't. And I don't know why, and I kind of want to go back and watch all Seattle versus Ram versus uh, L.A. Ram games now since, um, since the defense has looked the way that it's looked because it's almost as if every single time Russell Wilson thinks and believes that he can get away from him. And he can't. And he can't. And it's just the weirdest thing in the world because I've watched Russell pretty much get away from everybody. Yeah, he, he can't get away from Aaron Donald. Well, who, who said it that Aaron Donald is the best defensive player to ever play football? I don't want to say best defensive player ever because Deion Sanders is that guy. But um, he's in the conversation. Defensive tackle. Oh, he's like easily. defensive line even because I won't even say defensive line because I love Reggie White. So I'm not saying going to say that. But defensive tackle. D-line, I'm down for people saying that he's the best there. But best defensive player, I don't know, man. I'm super high on uh, Dion. He's up that there. Don't count. I mean, and, of course, Night Train Lane, who I, I'm naming a bunch of names that people are like, how do you know this? But I've done a lot of research, and Night Train is somebody who I've, oh, I grew an, an affinity for, but I also believe that those numbers were so, like, elevated. And it's not his fault. You only can play who you play. But I don't think there are very, very many athletes like Night Train Lane. And you also – have to look at it too. The Dolphins had a couple great safeties back in the '60s and '70s. One, his name was uh, Jake Scott. Okay. Who just recently passed away, and Rest then Dick peace. Anderson. And these guys put up crazy numbers, like eight interceptions a year. But I think before he passed, Jake Scott told because uh, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard learned about them because mm-hmm. when they first, when Byron Jones get, first got to Miami, he he saw like the no-name defense on the wall, and he's like, "Who are these guys?" And then he started watching film, and he was like, oh, now I get it. Now I see why these guys are on the wall. Mm -hmm. But Jake Scott, I believe, told him, he's like, you guys are better than us. Because back then, we could maul wide receivers. (laughs) And that's where it goes. You guys can't touch these, like. Like, Night Train, like, I'm, again, I. I hate sounding like that guy. Like, you know how we talk about music on the podcast, and music is the one thing that I don't, I don't feel like I'm a music snob. So I'll tell you what I like. I'll tell you what I dislike. Sports, I do feel like I'm kind of a sports snob. So when I say Night Train Lane, I feel like I lost a couple of ears when I say that. Because they're like, we don't know who that is. You're trying to show us that you've done your research. But no, seriously, if you're listening to this and you don't know who Night Train Lane is, please go figure it out. Please go figure it out. You will not regret that. Um. So last point that I want to make about this game, Jared Goff with his thumb. 
Uh, only threw the ball 19 times, did have nine recept or nine completions for 155 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think Jared Goff has proven that he can go out there and not lose you a game. Uh, I think the question continues to remain if he can go out there and win you a game. I've I've said it even when he had that really good year two years ago. Um, Definitely, that offense Bowl, was crazy. When they went to the Super Bowl. I said it, and I got flagged for this on Twitter and in real life. People thought <laughs> I was crazy. And I will. I think you're crazy. Let me take my victory lap here. Go ahead. I said Shout then, Jared Goff is the product of that system. He's not great. He's not. He had one great year. He was mediocre before that, and he's been mediocre since. I said that as well. Even when he was healthy this year, he was mediocre. out for that. So the Rams, in my opinion, with McVay and that defense, are a quarterback away, even when Goff is healthy. Mm. They're a quarterback away, and if they can go out and get a guy like one of the two Mats, mm. although that won't happen because they gave Jared Goff that gigantic contract. Yeah, uh, unless, 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 because, okay, we're talking about it right now. There's new quarterbacks coming into the league every year. So you have a person like a like a Matthew Stafford and a, and a Matt Ryan and a – even a um Ty, even a Tyrod Taylor, um, you have these different quarterback Carson Wentz. You have these different quarterbacks who I'm not sure. Matt Ryan has made a lot of money. I'm not sure that Matt Ryan won't take the Andy Dalton deal. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be in the Rams' best position to add competition there, though. They're gonna pick in the end of the first round. Yes. We have to see. I mean, there's – in my mind, there's five quarterbacks that are going to go – should go in the first round. Let me go through them. There's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and I just looked at another one last night, and I don't want to go Mac crazy. Jones. Mac Jones. If Mac Jones or Trey Lance is available – Kyle Trask was the other one I was thinking about. I have Trask more in the second round. But I could see him going in the late first. You feel like he's more of a project than Trey Lance? Yes. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. But if I'm the Rams I'm not saying who's gonna be better and a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance is available with them, which I don't think they will be at wherever the Rams end mm-hmm. up picking, I'd do it. I mean, that's I, <clears throat> I We'll know see how it plays out. We're, it's past 10 o'clock, so we're, this, this is the building telling us to get out. Um, yeah. But, again, um, honestly, you know what I just is doing this. Just a sidebar. You guys are listening to this. Every, all the lights in the building cut off at a certain time, but these lights are on in here. So they're, they keep trying to cut off because they assume that the building should be empty. But it's not. We're but in here. But it's not, yeah. Um, so I'll cut off everything when I'm leaving. They can deal with it. They will be fine. Uh, we have three other games to get to. During wild during the Super Wildcard Weekend, which I'm hoping that we see more of, and I hope that they keep that this going going forward. This next one, I do just have a couple of points to bring out, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did beat the Washington Football Team 31 to 23. We'll get into Taylor Heineke in a second, but Tom Brady became the oldest quarterback to throw a postseason touchdown, passing George Blanda. But it, he also gave the Buccaneers their um, first playoff win since 2002 when they won the Super Bowl with John Gruden as their head coach. And keep in mind, this is their first postseason berth since 2007. So just to kind of give you guys a little insight on that, again, a lot of these games, there's nothing really to talk about in terms of the winner outside of uh, who they're going to play next. But 
if I had to take a point before we get to Taylor uh, Taylor Heineke and just sing his praises a little bit, Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. That that AB hey, baby. Man. Hey man. The reports of both That's those a problem. guys' demise have been greatly exaggerated. That's the problem. That duo. It's a problem. That's all I'm gonna say. Brady has never been beat by the same team three times in a season, so now the Saints have that chance to to give it to him. Part of me, me wants to say that the Saints win, man. Let me point this out as well. I mean, we already know this, but it's still funny to say out loud. <laughs> oh, the God. last time the Patriots missed the playoffs was 2008, and that was when Brady didn't play. Yes. Still went 11-5. Still went 11-5 with Matt Castle. They didn't make the playoffs this year. And that was also a year that Brady did not suit up for them. Absolutely. So, Bill Belichick is a great coach, in my opinion, best all-time in the NFL. But. But, but. Let's just get something straight here. It still matters who plays quarterback for your team. Not to say that Cam Newton's not good. Cam Newton is not Tom Brady. Not even in the same stratosphere. And Tom at 43, man, he's. People were calling him washed. Look at his note. He had 40 TDs this year. Like 4,500 yards, something like that. Something. Tom Brady is is GOAT status. Uh, Taylor Heineke stepped oh, in for Alex Smith. Taylor Heineke, he was great, man. I don't know. I, I have no words. Like, I, I – I, Yeah, he did great. That's where I want to go with it because Bomani Jones tweeted something and said that Tyler, Taylor Heineke played himself into 10 years' worth of backup quarterback money. I know it sounds like a joke, but that position is so important on a football team. Do the Rams go and get Taylor Heineke? I don't know. but I don't know if it gives them enough competition for Jared Goff, but what, who? I think somebody saw that and was, and was intrigued. <sighs> Somebody, maybe Washington was. I think if you're Washington, you have to look like, yeah, we love Alex Smith, but his age and his health status. If I'm Washington, I go into next year, and Taylor is probably my presumed starter. Mm. He's so a Taylor and Kyle Allen yeah, back and forth. He's 24 years old. Mm -hmm. I say this summer, let let those three guys go at it. Hmm. Iron, and that's if Alex Smith plays. Iron sharp, sharpens iron. And that's if Alex Smith plays too, because uh, we do understand that his he admitted that his family, his his wife, his kids had to sign off on it. He wouldn't play if they didn't sign off on it. They only signed off for one year. I love Alex Smith. Please retire, bro. I just don't. I just don't want any other potential issues. So I might be with you. Uh, definitely comeback yeah, player of the year this year. Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. That'd be. A, I think I like both those guys. Kyle Allen, I like. I think he's a good player. Definitely. Um, you want to know who is a good player? Oh. Former MVP Lamar Jackson. And yes. I think people Lamar is a very will finally <laughs> lay off of Lamar Jackson after he won his first playoff game in three tries after his Baltimore Ravens beat the twenty to thirty or beat the Tennessee Titans twenty to thirteen. I don't want to talk about this game too much, only because we already know about the game. We know yeah. about what Lamar Jackson was able to do, led the team clearly in passing because he's their starting quarterback, but also led them in running with 136 yards. The first quarterback in NFL history to have 2,000-yard seasons. Um, rushing, I should say. 
What I want to talk about is this rivalry that has been brewing. Yeah, I mean. Now it seems like it's full-blown. It's, 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 it's a bonfire. It's going. It's beef. It's a full-length beef. This is like the, the pig is actually on the fire. It's slowly turning. I remember that uh, this was like 12, 13 years ago now. 12 years ago? Jeez, how Joe old are we? Joe Flacco's rookie year. They played the Titans. Yes. Joe Flacco's first playoff game. And the Ravens beat the Titans. That It was a great... I remember where I was that night. <laughs> it had to be 2009, I think. Early 2009. So I was 12 Sounds years right. old. I was 12 years old. Because they won their Super Bowl 2011. Because the Packers won theirs 2010. Well, the, the Ravens... No, we won ours 2011. The Ravens won in uh, 2013. We won ours 2011, yeah. The Ravens won in 2013. But um, I'll never forget that night. And ever since then, Ravens-Titans has, like, I've associated those two teams with each other. Like, even, I fr- like, even if I won't even be thinking about that mm-hmm. game, I've just, like, etched it in my mind. I don't know why. Just because they played each other in the playoffs once 13 years ago <laughs> or 12 years ago. I think about, and this is weird to me, but, I mean, we we talk about sports legends and what we don't talk about enough is uh legends that went to hbcus and uh of course i see these two teams and every time i see these two teams i think of one name and that one name is steve air mcnair and that's where i go uh rest in peace to steve mcnair um that's i don't know if that's like just the kid in me and the football that i watched growing up but that's what i see when i see these two teams so i'm thinking about steve mcnair Looking at this game, probably pulling pulling his hair out, going for each side, and I think that's what happens when and people always say it. You need a back and forth in a rivalry, and that's what we're gonna get to this last one with Cleveland and and, and Pittsburgh. But everybody says that it's not a rivalry, similar to the Clippers and the Lakers, until you take something from us. Yeah, like. No disrespect to certain teams, but like just because you're in disrespect the same them. division, like it doesn't mean anything if you're not going to beat them. I mean, you play them twice a year and they mark it off as two W's. Walking and maybe into the your season. fans, you know, don't like each other or whatever. But like, I've watched Pittsburgh and Cleveland fans almost fight. Yeah, like for sure. Okay, like I've watched past, Raider and Bronco fans fight. Okay, I'll put it to you this way: in the AFC East. Dolphins and Bills fans don't like each other. Bills fans are psychopaths. Are nuts, bro. They are, like, legit psychopaths, and there's so many stories I have about this. Like, to an even level where, like, Philadelphia Eagles fans are like, wow, that's... I don't know, man. Raider fans, Packer fans... No, no, no. Let me tell you about different... Oh, no. I'm saying, Bill fans, like, yeah. those... Bills I think fans those are, fans are different. Bills fans are different. Cleveland as, fans, like, too, bro. the last 20 years, the Dolphins and... The Dolphins haven't won a playoff game since 2002. Right. Up until two days ago, the Bills hadn't won one since 95. There hasn't been really a rivalry. Yeah. I mean, yes, the two teams are in the same division. The fans don't like each other. Maybe there's a play. But overall, I mean, except for that one time that Bobby McCain spit on a, a <laughs> Bills fan. That was awesome. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Salim has some of the most random things parked in his brain. It's uh, unbelievable. Some Bills fan was talking uh, trash to Bobby McCain last year or two years ago, and Bobby McCain spit on <laughs> And did he defend himself after that? Yeah, he <laughs> and did. And say, what am I supposed to do? I love Not Bobby that. Bobby McCain. Great. I don't think you're supposed to do that. Really good free safety. Um, um, 
but as we said before, that game has turned, or that series, that rivalry, whatever it is, that history is slowly turning into a rivalry, especially when you meet teams in the postseason, let alone back-to-back years, uh, splitting the, the outcome, too. Um, I think it was interesting that they mentioned that during the uh, game Sunday that the last four games, not including Sunday, the away team won all the previous meetings. So now in that meeting, the away team has won the last five games. Interesting. I think that's kind of interesting because I think that's what definitely makes it a rivalry when it kind of doesn't matter where you're playing. Um, speaking of where you're playing, did Cleveland care that they was in Pittsburgh? No. Especially with, like, I mean, I know there was fans there, but, it, you know. Fam, when I tell you, I was telling, I think I was telling, uh, Dave, shout out to Dave Norris, my guy. Uh, that's the big dog. Um, he let me in this morning to get my uh, badge. I come in. We're talking football for a second. I said, wild card weekend was crazy. He looked at me and was like nuts. Like it was insane. I looked at him and was like, um, before I could even get it out, he looked at me and said, I didn't expect that Cleveland game. I said, dog, I don't think they expected that. Like I know and in, in I've played sports. You could have all the belief in the world. When you play a certain team, you can anticipate, oh, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. To be up 28 nothing in the first 10 minutes of the game is unbelievable. I don't think Cleveland anticipated that. And if you guys have listened to the show for long enough, you probably know what my feeling was in that first quarter of that game. Oh, my gosh. You can only imagine how – now, I've been told, and I agree with this, that there are certain things on this show I shouldn't say, and we'll leave it unsaid, and I'll continue that. I've been told that too, but... Uh, However, depends. for those who have listened to the show, you can imagine I was grinning ear to ear as I watched that game. I watched every second of it. We're actually going to kind of get into that right now because Cleveland won their first uh, playoff game since the 1914, excuse me, 1914, since the 1994-1995 season. It feels like that for sure. Uh, They won that game 48-37. to It's important to mention that Big Ben set the record for, I think he might have tied the record. They kept saying set the record. I might need to do triple, triple, quadruple check it. But I think he tied the record for most completions in a regular season or a postseason game with 47. He went 47 of 68, threw for over 500 yards. Four touchdowns, four interceptions. What I will say is, uh, I think Ryan Clark after the game and Michael Smith might have said it as well, that that was the ugliest four-touchdown game in NFL history. No, he played a terrible football game. And that's why exactly, like, numbers don't really tell the story. And see, this is where I'm at with it. Those interceptions don't look good. Two of those interceptions were not his fault. Now, if you're telling me that my starting quarterback is going out there throwing the ball 68 times – and two interceptions are his fault, I think i take that game. That's fair. I mean, uh, you have to remember, too, though, for a lot of that game, and it's the reason the Steelers started to come back, the Browns started to play in, uh, like, prevent defense. Yeah. I mean, when you're up 28 nothing in 10 minutes. They were just letting them do whatever they wanted. So, I mean, those numbers were definitely – Inflated. You kind of just mentioned it because with whatever defense that they did switch to, because I didn't – I'm not even going to hold you. I didn't care too much at that point. But whatever defense they did switch to, Chase, no, Chase Claypool kept finding, like, certain little moments – I mean, certain little uh, no, it was spots in a defense. It was very dumb way to play defense. Like Juju Smith-Schuster ended up getting over 150 yards doing the same thing. But 
those were. It's almost like that defense where you let them. Ca- I mean, it's it's third and long. You let them catch it short, and you run up and make the tackle. So I think at a certain point, they just started to guard no, the watched, red zone. I watched that entire game, and I got to say, like, Cleveland, when they went up 28 nothing, and I know teams like to do that prevent thing, but I always go back to, I forget who said it, he said, it prevents you from winning. Mm. The reason Pittsburgh started to come back in that game was because they just started to move the – like, you're playing prevent defense. The game, there's still three quarters left. Like, you can't – like you got to play your base defense and force them to beat you, and they're not going to. And or see, most likely, you know. So I keep forgetting that these lights are doing it. I keep so, zoning out. Like I said, I uh, I very much enjoyed the game. I don't think Big Ben did. Big Ben sat uh, in silence after the game, um, sitting on the bench. That no, was a real shame. Yeah, just. The image itself uh, was something that I would have captured, of course. But then I kind of – I think I probably would have put the camera to the side because some things – you may not get the answer from them, but you just watch it and you try to put yourself in that moment and live in the moment as much as possible. And that's kind of what I got when he was sitting there when his center walked up to him. When Marquise Pouncey walked up to him, it's almost one of those moments where you could believe that the conversation was what's going on, what's going through your head. And I think Big Ben may have been honest and told him if he won the Super Bowl, he would have retired. So I think Ben in that moment was trying to make the decision of if he wanted to walk off that field for the last time. Yeah, I mean, I think he comes back. I do too. I don't think he retires yet. Um, as far as the Steelers go, I don't really know where they go from here mm. because. But you got Mike Thomas, so you're starting. Yeah, that's in the front thing. of the. You're here's, starting away from the A ball at least. Here, here's the thing with the Steelers and like the sort of conundrum they're in. Mm-hmm. They they do need another quarterback. Just because what are we talking about? I'm sorry, Steelers. Steelers. They do need another quarterback. We talked about Jameis Winston before he went to the Saints. But it's also like with Mike Tomlin, you're guaranteed at least like a seven or eight win season. Right. No matter who's there. Right. So you kind of have to either look in free agency or hope or trade up or, you know. The thing is. Because Mason Rudolph is not the answer. I, I don't think it is. No. But I, I think the thing is, as long as you have Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, honestly, as long as you got Mike Tomlin, but as long as you got Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, I do think you need to address the running back position. Maybe James Conner doesn't come into the season as the starter. Maybe you bring it in and it's an open competition because I think Anthony McFarlane has something to say. I've been really, really high on Benny Snell since he came out of Kentucky. We'll see what happens there. Um, and I also think that Juju may get traded. I do. Well, he's a free agent, too. Is he? Yeah. Okay, well, see, that helps me out because I thought he had a year left yeah, on his deal. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. So, yeah, I don't think Juju is. It will be returning. Uh, I Honestly, I'm not sure that Pittsburgh wants him, wants him <laughs> as no, much. At this point, it's – I mean, but Deontay Johnson dropped a lot of passes that, did. that Juju wasn't dropping. No, uh, Juju, I think, is still a good player. I think he's done some things that are, like, dumb recently. Yes. 
But I think he's still a really good player. Um, I still think it's hard not to like Andy, though. He's 24 years old. Did I say Andy? I don't know why I'm talking about Andy Dalton still. Um, <laughs> Juju. Juju's only he's only 24. I mean, I he's still a really good player. He just he's done some clown things this year. I mean, let's. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think I think the. Did you see that they were down like 20 points at one point or whatever, and he was doing like. <laughs> and I think well, it doesn't even matter because I was about to say I think that a lot of it was overblown, but I do think that. As weird as it may sound, if Juju takes three steps to the right and does that exact same dance every pregame, not in the middle of people's logos, season goes differently. Well, maybe the season doesn't go differently, but the conversation throughout the season yes, goes differently. Conversa- 100%. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Look, um, you can be, you know, you can talk your your shit. I'm trying not to care because we're going to Westgate. Yeah, we're we're slowly we're slowly transitioning back into a professional radio show. But Maybe. It's, it's also like, if you're going to do it, please back it up. Don't get knocked out by a Cincinnati defender. Don't. That, that hit was one. That was a nasty that hit. Was a na- that was a nasty hit. Don't, like, say the Browns are the Browns. The Browns is the Browns. Yeah, and then, you know, get absolutely obliterated on your home field and get sent home. In his defense, he doesn't play defense. Um, fair, fair. This is fair. what I and he also didn't hike the ball over Ben Roethlisberger's head. Um, I just got two more points to get to, and then I think we're pretty much out of here really quick. So just so you guys know, out of the games that we just gave you for Wild Card Weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend, the first of its kind, um, it resulted in a divisional round where our elite eight in the NFL looks a little something like this: Cleveland will visit Kansas City. Cleveland, Kansas City. Baltimore will visit Buffalo. That's gonna. The L.A. Rams will make their way to the frozen tundra and play the Green Bay Packers. That's going to be a great – dude, these are all great games. And then lastly, we have this third and guaranteed to be final meeting between Breeze and Brady. Terrell, can I get – When Tampa Bay goes to New Now Orleans. that we're about to, uh, you know, go back to the professionalism, can I What's get that? one more joke in? Oh, my God. Please, let what? me get one more joke in. What? So with uh, every time you say that you got a joke, I always think, "What did I just say? So what Breeze, did I just open the door for?" So it's Breeze and Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder because I was a little concerned about Brady in the Tampa game. Okay, because I thought he was still going to be tired from Capitol Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I no wonder, comment. like, is Drew Brees on a no fly list right? <laughs> At this point, I you know uh, what? I'm gonna let you get your little joke off. But the reason why I let that joke go is because. Jalen Rose said on Jalen and Jacoby that he, he feels like after the season we might learn something about why Michael Thomas was healthy whenever Taysom Hill played and unhealthy whenever Drew, Bre- whenever Drew Brees played. And I said it when he said it. I was like, oh, we know exactly what happened. But whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later when it's the offseason or when Look, Drew retires or whatever. I'm going to save those for the podcast now, but I had to get one last in. Look, I- it's Magatom <laughs> versus Old Man Brees. Get ready. This is, I mean, hell, it's old man Brady, too. Um, older man Brady, yeah. <laughs> Called him older man. Magatom just rolls off the tongue, honestly. Not better than Bosa. Um, oh, Magabosa, Maga Mason. But going back to, to, to the conversation that we need yes. to have, yes. uh, the WNBA, really quick, um, may not seem like a WNBA topic, but it is. Watch how I bring it full circle. Uh, Raphael Warnock beat Kelly Loeffler. 
in the Georgia Senate runoff. And if you've been living under a rock for the last week or so, or since 2021 began, which is only 11 days ago, um, a lot of the big topics in the beginning of the year has been Georgia has been painted blue. Um, a lot of the a lot of the um, memes you see Bob Ross literally painting Georgia blue. So yeah. it's, it's, it's different. And I know it's a different time. But uh, if you do not know, Kelly Loeffler was actually one of the majority owners for the Atlanta Dream, who her team openly campaigned for her opponent. Which is so great. Which is amazing. So LeBron has expressed interest in wanting to build an ownership team. Carmelo Anthony as well, I think. And, and absolutely. Carmelo has expressed interest in joining that, that uh, group and possibly bringing along... Uh, bringing in the Atlanta dream in terms of ownership. Um, it would be great to see. There was another name, too. I forgot who it was that wanted to from another sport. Wanted to jump in with? Yeah, from another sport. I don't know. I forgot who it was. Shug. I hope it happens. Whatever it is, I hope it happens. Atlanta would be the place to do it. Um, I'm a big proponent of doing it there if you're going to do it. Uh, we're actually going to end this really quick with a couple of lives that were lost to begin the year a couple of uh sports figures and the first one is sandra scully who was 76 years old who passed away on january 4th which is actually a week ago today Rest in peace. sandra scully is the wife of the legendary vin scully together they celebrated 48 years of marriage which is a beautiful thing god bless god bless them um uh, my prayers go out to Vinny. Um, I can only imagine, uh, and I don't want to even imagine a situation like that when you spend that much time with a person. And, and the thing is, the thing about Vinny, and that's why I, I love doing the radio show the way that we do it, because we give a little piece of us in between it. It's, it's, there's a certain, uh, element to being able to do what we do and still sprinkle in parts of ourselves and aspects of our real life. So, uh, Vin told stories about Sandra. Uh, Vin, I mean, multiple pictures, of course, where they're always out, um, where they were always out. 48 years together. 48. That doesn't even, like, again, guys. That's my life twice almost, bro. I'm 23. I'll be 24 this year. So that's literally about half my life. I mean, twice my life. Sorry. That's insane. I can't even imagine, like, I have no concern. I have no concept of that time because I haven't been al- alive that long. I have no, like... Not even half the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't even conceptualize that time because, I, you know, it's Absolutely. impossible for me to do so. And honestly, this other thing on January 7th when I woke up and I seen this, uh, or on January 8th when I woke up and I seen this, um, only thing I thought about was for the third straight year in the first quarter of the year, L.A. is hurting. And I said this exact same thing on the podcast that will be up on Wednesday. Uh, 2019, March 31st. Rest in peace to the legend that is Nipsey Hussle. Yes. I can't believe it's already been that long. Oh, my gosh. Bro. Almost two years. <sighs> um, January 26th, 2020. The helicopter crash that took nine lives, including the life of Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. Almost a year already. 
man. It's crazy how fast time is go- like COVID has really changed changed so much. Time perception. isn't even real anymore. It's like I think about things that like Oh, I'm like that that wasn't too long ago. Oh, that was in Mar- that was in April. But the year seems like it <sighs> Yeah, so it was very uh very strange. And then on January 7th, we got the news on January 8th that 93-year-old Tommy Lasorda passed away. Yes. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Tommy Lasorda uh, had a couple of bouts where he had house hospital stays and and uh, scares and things of that nature. And uh, I will say Tommy always uh, struck me as a person who uh, – you look at him and you just see the word fight. And it's just like, it's a part of him. It's a part of who he is. It's a part of uh, of who he was. Excuse me, pardon me. Uh, I did the same thing with Kobe for a really long time. I kept saying Kobe is, Kobe is, Kobe is. And I had like, I think Rachel Nichols might have said was. And I was like, oh. Yeah. It's so I, I, I apologize one, for that. One or two letters can just change ch- everything. Yeah, like just saying was changes everything yeah uh just to kind of go ahead and point out a couple of interesting notes about Tommy Lasorda before we get out of here Tommy Lasorda was a Hall of Fame manager with the Dodgers he won two World Series he was named the manager of the year two separate times for the NL and of course his legendary number two is retired with the Dodgers uh again I hope you guys already know we retired tip I shouldn't say retired but we uh suspended tip-ins until we returned to Westgate but hearing this news, I went ahead and and texted my dad and told him I knew he had one for uh, Tommy Lasorda. So this is one that, uh, or this is what my dad sent me. Hearing the news of the passing of Tommy Lasorda was a bitter pill to swallow. Being born and raised in L.A., we are spoiled to have had some of the most successful coaches of all time. We can go back to the Wizard of Westwood, John Wooden at UCLA, Pat Riley and Phil Jackson of the Lakers, and Tom Flores with the then L.A. Raiders. But I don't think any of these coaches had a true love and passion for his team and city as much as Tommy did. He was the motivation, heartbeat, and driving force for the Los Angeles Dodgers during his tenure as a coach and even better as a and he, excuse me, and even after as a fan. There are many great and funny stories that have been told about Tommy before and since his passing, but here are three that he personally remembers. Number one, my dad said that he uh, that Tommy Lasorda proudly proclaimed at every chance. That he bled Dodger blue. I'm going to read that one more time. Tommy Lasorda proudly proclaimed at every chance he was given that he bled Dodger blue. The second uh, story is something that I, I said on a podcast, and I was hoping I didn't word it wrong. But reading my dad's tip in, I didn't word it wrong. My dad used to always tease me uh, when the Dodgers played the Angels because reporters would ask Tommy about the rivalry. And Tommy would always say with a big smile that the only angels that exist are Dodgers that have died and gone to heaven. (laughs) That's awesome, man. And the last story that my dad has about Tommy Lasorda is that he has so much love and passion for the Dodgers organization that he heard him say several times that when he died, he wanted the following season's Dodgers schedule printed on his headstone. That's My dad said, rest in paradise to number two he's sure that his wish will be on it that is amazing and i think that's dad that was beautiful way to dad that was beautiful and that's a good way to end it i think 
I have no other words, guys. Only, I, I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. The only other word that I have is please pray for L.A. Please pray for Dr. Dre. Yes. Uh, we need you. The city needs you. You have so much more to do. We appreciate everything that you have done. Tommy Lasorda, Sandra Scully, the city of L.A. is hurting, guys. Just pray for the city. I can't wait to go back to the city and just touch the soil one more time. Um, or another time, I should say. But until next time, guys. That's Celine. I'm Terrell. Keep on talking. We talk the talk, we talk the talk. From the shots that's called to the tomahawks, to the league boss, and the ones who lost. Give it to me once, I don't drop the ball. To the home runs that was out the park. Kershaw when I'm pitching off. Kobe the Howard, he looking soft. LA Rams in the city, y'all. You like that, you like that, you like that. Kurt Cousins back, long bomb to D-Jacks. Got special guests, got breaking news, got what's new if you need that. Watch me speak like Ali. R.I.P. Not a person on earth that can't stop me. Game seven, get a ball to Kyrie. Three. Come talk to talk with Chatterbox. We got it all with Chatterbox. Come tune in to Chatterbox. Come tune in to Chatterbox. Come talk to talk with Chatterbox. We got it all with Chatterbox. Come tune in to Chatterbox. Come tune in to Chatterbox.